Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm very excited to introduce you guys to my guest today, who was an agency owner for many years, ran a company called Develop Your Marketing before transitioning to the dark side, to the SaaS side, and starting a company called Segmetrics.io, which helps people, marketers, entrepreneurs get 100% clarity on how their marketing is performing, how their spend is performing, who their best customers are, how they're behaving, all that stuff that is notoriously hard to figure out, as I know from personal experience. And he's here to share with us today some of the lessons learned from building his agency, what led him to building Segmetrics, and what he's learned from working with lots of agencies that are now customers of him using Segmetrics to better serve their clients, and essentially how we can get better at automating and streamlining the processes that we need to be good at, like communicating results to our clients so that we don't waste a ton of time doing those and stay profitable. So with all of that, very excited to introduce you all to Keith Perak, I should have asked you before we started the intro. <laughs> close, How close. do I say your name? Perhack. Perhack. There we go. So Keith it's one Perhack. of those last names that no one ever gets on the first time. Uh, at my dad's work, they called him Mr. P for the entirety of running the business. And when I started to work there, I was little P. And my brother, when he started working there, was little P, littlest P. So no one could say our last name. <laughs> Not the most flattering nicknames. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I'm just going to call you KP for today. Sounds uh, good. No, but, but with that, Keith, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Definitely. Glad to be here, man. So I've given everyone a little bit of context on who you are and what you do, but you know, I'd love to give you an opportunity to just share a little bit more about what Segmetrics is and, and, and how you got into that space. Yeah, so it's uh, like all good software uh, software solutions that kind of came out scratching my own itch. And it was essentially like, as you said, I was an agency owner. I had been doing um, funnel optimization and campaign optimization for a number of digital marketers, people like Ramit Sadie, Evan Pagan, Nomadic Matt, um, all along that uh, kind of vein. And as we kept growing and as we worked with different people, we realized that more and more of our time was taken on pulling numbers, right? And if you've ever worked with Infusionsoft or Drip or any of this stuff, it's all export everything into an Excel sheet, export all your revenue into Excel sheet, do a pivot, do it on whatever tag or lead source or whatever information you're looking at and pull that data all together and then get all the data together. And then really five hours later, you have an answer, right? And so we were spending honestly days putting together these reports or someone on our team was spending days putting together these reports that we would then present to our clients because they need to know what's going on and we need to know what's going on to inform our decisions. We'd have the great PDF, we'd go through the call and they inevitably ask, well, this is great. Our Facebook traffic's doing really well. What about Facebook traffic from ages 20 to 30? And we're like, give us five hours and we'll have that number for you. So it was really this huge sticking point because A, we hated doing it. It's not, pulling numbers was not what I got into marketing for. It's not my core competency, right? 
understanding what to do with those numbers is why I got into marketing. It's what we're good at. It's why people hire us. They don't hire us to pull numbers. So we're spending all this time on something that is vitally important to the business. We have to have these numbers to be able to do our job. None of us like doing it. And it's a huge time suck. And so we worked on, we're developers by nature. And we said, there has to be a better way to do this. So we built a first version internally that was essentially like, hey, can we just drop these numbers into a database and then calculate them automatically? Turns out you can. So it just kind of built from there. And we started getting our customers, our clients on as customers. And we started using it internally. And then we launched it. And then we found out that it's something that, uh, that lots of digital agency uh, owners need and lots of agencies need to be able to provide to their clients. So that's kind of the long story of how we got started with this whole thing. Awesome. And so one question that I would be remiss if I didn't ask, because I know that there are a lot of agency owners that are software curious, as I like to call them. Um, they're curious about, they've got a product idea. Almost every agency owner I've spoken to has an idea like this, a problem that they're facing. They're thinking about building it. Uh, what what were some of the biggest lessons learned as you transitioned from agency into um, trying to commercialize this product that you had developed? Software and agency work are so different that almost none of the lessons that we had learned as an agency translated to software. The marketing lessons, of course, translate. Like the marketing is the same. But for example, as an agency, you don't have a support team. You have account managers, right? And there's a very one-on-one relationship. In software, you can't do that. And for the first, I guess, year or so, we really tried to do that. We were like, this guy just signed up for a $27 tri- uh, account. Why don't we give him the, the uh, white glove service and like talk to him? And it's like, suddenly all of our time is spent on these things that aren't scaling, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that you manage a support team is so different than the way that you manage on a team of account managers. Um, doing th- the biggest... And one of the biggest things I think is mental as well. So in an agency, as an owner, and as well as everyone who's working in the agency, you have a very clear understanding of an hour that I work is worth X dollars for the company. Even if like one of your employees doesn't see that dollar directly, they understand that an hour working for a client is worth 200, 300, whatever dollars for the company, right? When you're working on software, it's not. You could work... 100 hours and not see an extra dollar from that. Or you could work for 10 minutes and make an extra 10K. Right. The, there is no direct... It's not like a rat pushing a button and getting a food pellet, right? There's, and it's a hard mental shift to make. So we were actually running the agency as we were building the software uh, externally and trying to promote it. And one of the issues we came in with was that client work always took precedence. Even if we had set out time and time blocks, you know, the, the Friday, we only work on our own stuff. And, but if yeah. a client said like, hey, I need to get this stand, stood up, everyone's mindset was still in that, hey, if the client asks for this, this is three hours of billable work. That is more valuable than working on segmetrics for a day. And it's not, but that's kind of the mindset. And it was just a very difficult mindset sw- switch to make from... A equals B to A equals something in the future that we're not quite sure about. Yeah. I mean, that that last one is, I, we ran into that, almost everyone I've spoken to that has made that transition from agency to product has run into that issue of client work kind of always trumping the product, which 
as I'm sure you know, is such a difficult thing to overcome because such a, an important part of building a software company is your development velocity and having that be relatively predictable so you can plan roadmaps, so you can you know, sequence all of the product kind of process behind your development and like having that be inconsistent makes it really difficult to build a cadence. So how did you guys like overcome that challenge or get through that difficult period? <laughs> we did it. You just slugged it out. I mean, we did too. <laughs> we weren't able to slug it out. So we had, we had, we had tried for about I think three years. So we had a, a great initial launch. Uh, we were getting a good amount of MRR, and then client work took over, agency life took over, and we had a span of about two years where MRR moved not at all. And it was just, we didn't have time to focus on the marketing. We didn't have time to focus on the product. We didn't lose any customers. What customers we lost, we were able to get back. But we were just sitting there pretty. And about a year and some change ago, we made the decision, we're going to shut down the agency and we're going to focus on Segmetrics. So let's get everyone off of client work. We're going to keep a couple of clients that we absolutely love. But everything else, we're just going to focus on Segmetrics. And so we tried this. And about eight months in, we had still made zero progress. And it was that whole mindset shift. And we had tried different things, different strategies. And I, what I'm going to say next, I do not recommend other people doing it. It was a last ditch effort. Um, but we couldn't, we couldn't get anything to work. And we had tried so many different things. I, we had worked with a consultant many years on and off, a business consultant. And I reached out to him and said, look, I can't get this to work we need to figure this out. Can you come in and help us either get this working or tell us what we need to do? And he came in every single day. He was on stand-up every day. He was working with people doing one-on-ones, trying to get buy-in on this thing, trying to understand everything that's going on. And at the end of three weeks, he came to me and he said, Keith, it can't work. The team you have is so inundated, inundated with the agency work style that they cannot, it's too difficult for them to make the shift. Um, Not that they're not capable, but just for 10 years, they've been doing this agency work and the shift is just too sudden. He says, you got to let them go. So we shut down the entire agency. Um, It was just me. I took on the clients. I I made sure that everyone got jobs. I uh, left no one high and dry uh, because it's my decision to shut it down. So I'm not going to make anyone else suffer for that. Um, most of them actually got better jobs. So yay. Uh, <laughs> but, and then I just started doing it on my own. And I was focused, I'd say about 90% on it. And it started growing again. So we went up from, we doubled, and then we doubled again. And I think within eight months, we had 5x or 10x our, uh, our revenue. So we're doing really well at this point. And I've just started since halfway through last year. So last summer, building out the team again. So we now have marketing, we have support, we have um, a project manager. But we just needed that kind of hard cut and that hard line there to make that decision. I really... It's something I don't know if you can tell that it's still like highly, I'm still wrestling with and I still regret because it's not something I wanted to do. But looking at the results, I think it was the right decision to make. 
I think it's a it's an important lesson that it, it's very building software and scaling a software company is definitely very different than building an agency, and it it's uh, yeah it it's not for everyone. Like some people just like an agency is the right fit for them, and they and that's the kind of work that they love and they respond to and they get um, you know they're the most effective in, and that's. Uh, you know, it sounds like you made the right choice, even though it was a difficult choice. And I'm glad that you took care of everyone. Um, so that's super insightful. And I hope that everyone that's listening, that's software curious, got a lot out of that. But what I want to transition to now, um, that was a bit of a rabbit's hole, but I think a good one is, you know, obviously, since that moment of pivoting into segmetrics, obviously, you believe a lot in segmetrics. And now you've had a chance to um, work with a lot of agencies that are actually using your product to solve that same problem that you had in your agency. And so I'm curious to know, like, what are some of those big challenges and big mistakes that a lot of agencies are experiencing when they come to you for a solution? I think the, I mean, the biggest, I don't see any real mistakes. Um, I see a lot of challenges that agencies don't realize that they have missed or that they have. Uh, the biggest one is honestly holes in the funnel. And this is something that we... So anyone who signed up for Segmetrics, we do a kickoff call so that we can help them understand their data because simple marketing funnels are really simple, right? You look at the beginning, you look at the end, you see where people are falling off the funnel, you make, um, you make improvements. But as soon as you get more technology going in there, so let's say you have Infusionsoft as your CRM, your checkouts in convert or not convert it, uh, click funnels. And then you have a webinar and webinar jam and you have all, and you have pixel me that's putting the pixels and you have the Facebook coming in. Like suddenly this is really complex and you have a lot of data. And what we see is that people will come onto these kickoff calls with us and they'll say like, well, I don't see any of our, of our tags in here. What's going on? And so I said, okay, let's dive in. And what we'll find is that their marketing tools are not set up correctly. So for the last six months or year, for example, everyone, anyone who signs up for a webinar has not been added to the marketing list. They've just been added to some little bucket that they never realized was there. And they haven't been getting any marketing emails for a year. And or people are not going through the sales funnel. We found one, we worked with one guy who for two years, he had written out this entire sales funnel. And 90% of his leads were never getting there because he had one of the um, connectors disconnected and didn't notice it. And it's just like, this is, it, it's weird to say that the biggest thing, that the biggest um, benefit we give in the first um, couple of weeks is that finding those holes in your marketing, but it's really true. And it's not a, a hole in the ideas. Everyone understands what their marketing should be doing. But the actual implementation of, holy crap, we haven't emailed any of these people is, is just mind-blowing. So that's a, that's a big thing we find right at the beginning, that, the tw- that things are not configured correctly. You know, it doesn't surprise me because uh, this is something I deal with. You know, I, I handle all of the marketing for Parakeeto at this point. We're, we're still bootstrapping. And it's like, it, that seems like a very unsolved problem. The fact that I have to log into eight different tools and there's really no visibility into um, what's talking to each other. And it's very easy to have those holes and not even realize that they're there. Um, very, very easy for that to be the case. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it makes sense because the tools aren't designed to talk to each other. When you see in Facebook, oh, we got a hundred leads today, that doesn't mean that they're all new leads. That's what Facebook sees as a hundred leads, but maybe ninety nine of them are already on your list, and you really didn't get anyone. Um, we we had one just yesterday that we had. They were looking at all these ads. They're like, people are clicking on these ads, but not but not purchasing. And we looked at it, and what it was is they had purchased months ago. 
but they were still seeing the ads for the same product. They were clicking on them. They just weren't buying it because they already owned it. So they had a retargeting issue going on that they had no idea. They were spending like $20, $50 a click to, to send it to people who had already bought the product. So issues like that. And no one knows because Facebook doesn't know. And how would you know? Because it's not in your CRM. It's impossible to track. So th- there's no connection between these very important tools that you have that lets you be able to see, oh, look, here's that whole customer journey. People are doing this, but they shouldn't be. Or people should be doing this, but they aren't. So why not? Why you- and let's figure out why and where those people are coming from. So, I mean, besides the obvious uh, thing, which is like, this feels like an opportunity to increase the performance of a lot of the campaigns that you might be running for clients. What are some of the other reasons that client reporting and and really more holistically, client communication is so important for agencies, especially given the context that we're currently recording this episode in, which is the, what feels like the beginning of a bell curve with regards to, uh, yeah, with regards to the pandemic that's going to wipe out probably not that many people, but certainly the economy. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, we were talking before the the show. We're now on lockdown here in Oregon. Um yeah. as are many cities and many states. Um as well as uh where you are in Canada completely locked down. The uh, communication it's interesting because I think there are two types of people that get into the agency work. There are people like me who don't like to communicate and there are people like my account manager who loves to communicate. And I, it's communication and over-communication is incredibly important to an agency because a client comes to work with you because they don't know what to do, right? You are the expert in that space. And so the more communication you can have, the more that you kind of assuage their fears and let them know that, hey, I'm a professional and I know what they're doing. And When we talk about communication, and this is why I have never liked over-communicating, I'm very particular about the communication I want because I don't want to just be like, hey, how's it going? Or like, hey, we had a question about this. Because the more questions you ask, the more it makes them feel like, does this guy really know what he's doing? And that's always been the balance that I've been trying to to get, which is that I don't want to ask too much because then it makes me seem like I don't know what I'm doing. But I don't want to ask too little because no communication has them wondering what the F's this guy doing. The number one thing I found working with myself with other agencies and things that we did internally was to create a process. And the stronger the communication process, the, the more confidence the client has in that agency. So when I sign up with a new agency to work with them or when someone signed up with us, they got a packet. They got a list of like, hey, go do this. Now go do this go do this. This is going to give us all the information for our kickoff call. We have the kickoff call. And we can even in that first email, once they sign the contract, give them a list of everything we're going to do in that first six weeks because it's a process. And as they go through each step, we we review those, what we just talked about. We say, hey, we just said A, B, C, and D. We're going to send you over X, Y, and Z. You're going to fill those out. And then we're going to get back in touch with you. right? So every step is documented. Every step is part of a process and every step has a next action so that the client never feels that, oh, what's going on next? And that's why it was very important for us to, every Friday, we send out all of our PDFs 
with all of our reports to all of our clients, no matter what they were doing. If it was an SEO, if it was a funnel optimization, if it was whatever, we had a list of reports that we sent out to every person. Uh, now what we would do is take a Segmetrics dashboard, slap it into Notion and send that link out because uh, that's uh, auto-updating and super easy. But But that communication of, hey, this is what we are doing. This is how we've improved. And this is what we're doing next on a very set schedule was really the core thing that worked with clients that we worked well with. Now, it's interesting because clients we didn't work well with were the ones that we let them take control. And I think a lot of agencies talk about this a lot where they're like, when you let the client take control of the project, that's when you start to lose two things. A, you lose control. And B, you lose that expertise. And we, I'm a little bit of a people, of a people pleaser. And it's something I, I struggle with a lot. But the issue that we came in with was we'd have a client saying like, oh no, we don't want to do that. It goes against this. I'd like to do this. And it's like, oh, can, we also have this page over here that I know it's not in the project scope, but you could, could you fix it up a little? Or, hey, I know this isn't in the project. And suddenly we're a development shop instead of, a marketing. It was so interesting. We worked with this great client, absolutely loved working with them, but we weren't forceful enough. And we eventually became just a dev shop into doing what they wanted us to do. And they eventually stopped working with us. And on our offboarding call, I was like, what could we have done better? And he sat down with me and said, I really wanted you to, to tell us what to do and to take control. I was like, you want us to do all these things? He's like, I really wanted you to push back on that. I wanted you to say, no, we're not going to do that we're going to do what we said we were going to do. And he's exactly right. It is not the client's job. The client is always going to come up with just random stuff they want you to do. It's your job as the agency to say, no, we don't do that. Here's what we are going to do or figure out some way to do it in addition without disrupting what you're actually doing. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. But with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. It's funny because this is all the stuff that I hear. Um, so, you know, part of what I do uh, is I'm involved very heavily in this group of software founders called SaaS Academy. And of course, we talk about agencies all the time. There's even a training in SaaS Academy called the Agency Amplifier, where we talk about how to manage a relationship with an agency so you actually get results out of them. And it's all about setting up a communication cadence and a scorecard so you can have a consistent feedback loop with the agency. And the reason that this this thing was come was come up with was because a lot of folks were just having this experience of not getting consistent communication from the agencies that were they were working with and everybody wants exactly what you've described is the agency coming to them and saying here's our process here's the cadence on which we're going to communicate with you here are kind of the key metrics that we've identified are important to you we're going to make sure that we measure our results against those things and if you can do that 
you're going to be showing value to the customer on a regular basis. And this is the other conversation that we're having now is where do we cut costs? So if you're not as an agency showing up and saying, hey, remember we said that these things were important to you? Look, here's the history of results we've been delivering against those things. Then it's going to be very easy for because the process, as I'm sure you know, is we print out our bank statements. We go through them with a highlighter and we highlight everything that we're going to cut. That's a very unemotional process. If you haven't recently had a conversation where you reminded your client of like, hey, here's the value that we've delivered to you, then there's a good chance that you're going to get highlighted on that sheet, which of course is is not what we want. And it's probably not not in your client's best interest if you're doing good work and driving revenue for them. So it's probably best for everyone if that communication cadence is good, if you're clearly showing them the value that you're offering. But of course, the only way for that to really be good and exciting for you as an agency is for the process to not be laborious and painstaking, um, which of course is the catch-22 of this whole thing. Right. And this is, I think... I really feel that I know certain businesses have to cut corners, but if you are an agency providing real value, especially in the online space, it's actually harmful to cut you because if you could keep revenue the same or keep it from tanking, then that you are paying for your own agency fee right there. And that's what, and that's the value you need to show. And that's what we always tried to show with our uh, funnel optimizations is that, look, Here's what we did this last month. Here's where you would have been without us. And here's where you are with us. We're only taking 5% of all the, of all the uh, improvements that we've made. So we're definitely worth keeping on here. Um, yeah. And you have to have the numbers to back it up. You have to, Because you can't just say, and especially like you're saying now, you can't just say, oh, no, you need SEO to, for people to find you because the, the companies, the, your clients are panicking. And they're like, the entire economy is going to go down. Like we're just screwed. Um, SEO is a long man's game. We've already done our SEO work. We don't need any more. And if you haven't been proving the value of, look, this is what we did. Here's the results we got. Here's what we did. Here's the results we got every week, every month. Then you're exactly right. They're, they're going to see you as a cost instead of a value add. 100%. And this is the feedback that I get all the time from the other software founders in this case that I talk to, which is I feel like, you know, my agency is kind of working in a black box. And I, I don't know what they're working on. I don't know what they're working on next. And it's just kind of a failure to your point um, from the agency side, because they probably do have a process and they probably are doing great work. And they just haven't done a good enough job of creating clarity for the client of this is what we're doing. This is what we're working on next. Here's our progress. Here's the results that that's created, you know, and just really keeping them in the loop. And, you know, just when you think you're communicating enough, you could probably step it up another level. And that's likely where your client is comfortable in terms of how much they want to hear from you as an agency. So I think that's, you know, it's great feedback on why this is so important. So then the next question then becomes, you know, I think this is where you can add a lot of value. How should agencies think about setting up a process for communicating with clients that's going to be efficient and, you know, streamlined and not take up a ton of their time? It, it really depends based on what type of work you do and how much you need to talk to clients. For example, SEO, as we were talking about, is a long play. So you don't generally need to have a call twice a week on SEO. But if you're doing something like high volume e-commerce optimization, then you definitely should um, talk with them twice a week. What I like to do is, depending on how much the client is paying me, to create a cadence of a weekly call and maybe a weekly uh, email that goes up that's, uh, that updates them on where the stats are. So essentially, let's say Thursday, we send out, hey, here's the weekly email. 
uh, with all the stats. Let's discuss it on our call on Friday. Um, it may be slower, it may be faster. And then every six weeks, we have a kind of catch-up call, right? Which is, hey, here's all the things we've done in the last six weeks. Now let's plan out the next six weeks. And this is very important because it sets up an expectation of what we're going to do next, right? So that there's never a stop in the work of, oh, we're done. All right, right? So, and you don't want to have that six weeks when you're finished with everything. You're like, okay, we have a week left of the current projects. Now let's talk about what we're going to do for the next. And I do it on six weeks because our contracts are four weeks, right? So making sure that everything is staggered so that there's never a point where people can say, okay, everything's done and off the the panel, let's stop working. I, I love that process. Yeah, I love that process because to your point, it inserts you in the strategic decision-making process for that business as a trusted advisor and an expert, which is really the position that you should be assuming in a relationship with the client. Yeah, it's, and this is what kind of got me out of the agency work is once we had gotten too far away from that expertise, right? And we were getting into the, oh, we're just doing cookie cutter work for everyone. And that was not the type of business that I wanted to run. I know a lot of people do like running that um, and they like focusing on improving the business, but I always want to solve new marketing challenges. I want to solve more technical or data challenges. And so that's where I kind of just lost my drive to do it, which was like the day-to-day of just churning out the same things every day didn't excite me. Awesome. So the the one thing I want to dig in on this, um, and as a developer, I think this is uh, an interesting thing for you to speak on because what your job is essentially as a developer is to take things that are complex in nature and create a model around them to make them repeatable. And so I think this is where a lot of agencies struggle is they think about the process of making things more efficient. You know, a communication system is one example of that. And they think there's just too much nuance here. It's just too hard to automate or streamline this. How should they be thinking about automating or streamlining the things that feel like they might be really hard to automate or streamline it? And what are kind of the core tenets of going down that path? It's interesting because I, I have a couple of friends who do this professionally. They, they'll take businesses and, they'll, and specifically businesses, they're like, oh, we have, this is impossible to, to filter down into one thing. It's like, look, you do these four things every single time. And it's like, oh yeah, of course you do. What I, what I recommend, because it's hard, it's hard to look at your own actions and say, oh, this is what I'm doing every time, right? So what I have always worked on is first, never try to use software to automate the first time around. It is such a bad idea um, because for a number of reasons. First of all, if you're building it yourself, it's going to be way too complex. It's going to take a lot of time and then you have to support it forever. The second one is if there are holes, you're not going to see the holes because you haven't done it yourself yet. So what the number one thing we do when we're optimizing for this kind of stuff is we create a paper or a checklist SOP. And we say, these are the things we're doing. These are the things we want to do. And then the important thing is we give it to someone else, not me. And they're going to have questions and feedback and say like, hey, why are we doing this? Or like, why, why can't we just do it this way? Someone who's never touched it before is going to have a lot more visibility into some of the stupid things or the ineffective things that I've been doing this entire time and not realize it just because that's the way I do it. Um, you also, when you give it to someone else, realize the number of things that you were doing 
that were kind of like hacks or just small little things that really didn't need to be done that need to be automated. And you can kind of improve it on that way. So what we do, as I was saying, we do everything manually first. And once we have it down so that anyone on the team could pick up that SOP and do it, that's when we say, okay, all of this stuff is automatable through software. And then we can pick the things that are like tagging people, putting them into pipe drive, putting them into um, segmetrics or whatever, right? And getting all that data in an automated fashion now that we understand all the bumps that we would have doing it manually. I love it. It makes perfect sense. And it's consistent with what other people that, to your point, specialize in process optimization for agencies and companies as a whole have said. Which And, and th- this, um, I want to remind people of a strategy that I learned from a guy called Ari Mizell, who is kind of the do less stuff expert. And this was his hack for creating SOPs. And it was exactly what you just described. Record a video of yourself doing the thing, get somebody to write the SOP, get them to give it to a person that's never done it before, and then let them bounce back and forth with feedback until the SOP actually works for somebody that's never done it before. And then you know you have something that you can build on top of. So I I love that approach of of getting somebody with no context to pick it up. And that's kind of the test is can they do it and can they get the same kind of outcome that you expect? Also, it's really good to have someone, if you're a person like me who doesn't, who isn't good at delegating, uh, who just like, oh, it's faster for you to do, my, do it myself, getting someone to yell at you until you delegate it is a great strategy. <laughs> I, I literally have someone on my team who, not her only job, but she'll come up to me and say, Keith, why are you still doing this? Why is someone else on the team not doing it? Stop doing that. Give it to Michael. Go do, go do other things that are more valuable. I love it. So we've talked about a bunch of things, transitioning to software. We've talked about the importance of, of good communication with your clients. We've talked about how to think about approaching that process and how to make it more efficient. Um, what final piece of advice do you have for those agencies, You know, especially considering the state that the world's in right now, that just want to get a little bit more efficient and want to build better relationships with their clients and make sure they're building more value into the relationship with their clients? I think this is advice for all the time. I think it's especially uh, important now is to work on the business and to improve and to take that time to really focus on first improving that communication, build a process, build a process for getting reports out, build a process for collecting the data. You're going to see a decline in revenue. That's pretty much a given at this point. Don't panic. Take that extra time in order to make the business stronger. And this is something I've seen with, especially my clients. You know, we do a lot of, we used to do a lot of work with info products. Sales go down in summer. That's what they do because everyone's off on vacation. People aren't buying. And then in August, they pop back up again. Everyone panics in summer. They're like, our sales are down. It's like, no, no. Every year this happens. In summer, we're not going to be busy. Focus on fixing all that stuff that, all the to-dos, everything that we've had on our bucket list that, oh, we'll get to that and fix it someday, now is the time. And I think now is the time to improve those processes to show that value because you're not going to have tons of people coming to you in the next probably six weeks, maybe two months, maybe longer. But you can continue to prove that you have great value to your existing clients And you can build better processes so that when it is time, you're going to be at the top of the pack um, because you're going to be prepared. 
I love that advice. It's such great advice um, because, yeah, I, I know there'll probably be a lot of agency owners with a lot of staff that are going to be less utilized than they once have been. And that's an asset. And you can invest those assets into things like this infrastructure in your business that's going to make your agency um, more scalable, a better experience for clients. And to your point, it's going to position you at the top. So I love that advice. I think that's sound advice to close on. So with all of that, um, Keith, I want to thank you for coming on the show and for those that are listening that want to follow what you're doing at Segmetrics and follow the content that you're producing, where can they find you on the World Wide Web? Most of my stuff is on Segmetrics. We run a blog and interview series called Data Beats Opinion when we talk, where we talk to agency owners and product owners about how they're using data to improve their marketing and funnels. I think that's really interesting. Check that out. You can also find me on uh, Twitter. Uh, my name's Keith Perhack. That's not my Twitter handle, but I'm the only Keith Perhack in the world. So I'm pretty easy to find. That's both a blessing and a curse. Awesome. So there you have it, folks. In the show notes, you know where to find it. We'll make sure we link all of that stuff up. And uh, with that, we hope that you enjoyed the show. Leave us a comment wherever you listen to this. Let us know what you got from it. Let us know if you have any questions. Smash that like button. Subscribe. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) That's it. All that stuff. And uh, we hope you'll join us on the next episode. And once again, Keith Perhack, thanks for being here on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.